0: Thanks for listening to the Spring Valley Community Church podcast. Due to the sensitive nature of this message and its contents, we ask that you do not share this on social media or with anyone else. Thanks and enjoy the message. Well, thank you guys so much again, uh, Pastor Joe and everybody for letting us come. And it's awesome because we do see a lot of new faces and that's really good. And so we have uh, been in Egypt since uh, October 2013, as Joe mentioned, and we've been there uh, three and a half years. and it's just been awesome to to know that uh, Spring Valley has been on our side uh, the whole time, and we started coming to Spring Valley right when it was opening up. In fact, our oldest daughter, Eliana was uh, the first baby dedicated in the church. that was a couple years ago uh, she's eleven now, and so she's Kristen's height and so um, you know Spring Valley is really home. We came uh, to Pennsylvania in about two thousand and four we were working at Valley forge for for eight years and Um, around the end of our time there just really sensed that we we'd gone on a short-term mission trip and just really sensed that God was calling us to to go back overseas and this was 2011 we got appointed in 2012 and uh, have been overseas since uh, October of 2013 Um, but it's just been awesome to know that Spring Valley has has just been there with us uh, financially and in prayer support and so so for that we're we're grateful so thank you so much
1: we're also incredibly grateful because I know Angela sent out an email asking for furniture because we sold it all when we left. And so our new, our apartment that we're going to have this next year is going to be a very tangible reminder of how well you take care of your people. So thank you. I'm going to sit on the couch and say, thank you, Spring Valley and sleep in a bed and say, yes, Spring Valley. (laughs) So thank you so much for being our home and filling our home. And um, Know that throughout this year, um, you're going to really bless us, not just with the furniture, but the opportunity to reconnect with people that we've loved for a long time. Um, Thanks for being our family. Thank you.
0: So, uh, as Joe mentioned, kind of what we do in the Arab world is we're we're a part of a training team that um, the whole goal is to to start churches, church planning among unreached people, and we want to do it in teams, so... Uh, we help run a training center in Cairo where people come for anywhere between one and two years. Uh, they learn Arabic, they learn culture, they learn missiology, they learn how to uh, minister in teams with a, within a Muslim-majority country, and then after their training time, we launch them out in teams into other parts of the Arab world. And so that's kind of the whole goal of what we do, and we'll get into a little bit more of that in a second.
1: But before we get into that, we, we know that people probably have some frequently asked questions, you know, like... Uh, it's hard to have a construct of what it means to live like in Egypt. A lot of times you look in the Bible and you're like, like, do they still do what they did in the Bible? Like, we haven't seen Moses in a very long time. Uh, We did go to the Red Sea, tried to part it. We'll work on that next time. Um, But we just wanted to answer, kind of pre-answer some of your frequently asked questions. So let's start off with what is Egypt like? Yes, the pyramids are still there. And yes, you can ride a camel around the pyramid. And yes, you can camp out in the Sahara Desert if you really wanted to. Um, So, okay. So, yes, that is our life. The pyramids are only about 20 minutes away from our house. So, come visit. We'll take you there for the 16th time. Um, So, okay. Yeah, we do have that mix of kind of the old, 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 before old was old. Uh, So, you can come see that. But... Um, Egypt or Cairo is more than just the pyramids.
0: Cairo is just a big city in general. It's it's about 25 million people or so in Cairo. And so it's lots of people, lots of chaos. It's buildings everywhere. Um, From, you know, getting across the city, it's one of those things where if you go when there's no traffic, it can take you 20, 30 minutes. If you hit traffic, it can take you two or three hours. You know, it's when you're driving. It's, you know, the, the lane lines are more like suggestions, not rules. You know, lights are suggestions. It's. You know, on a two-lane road, it's actually about three lanes with, you know, motorbikes zipping in and out and, and traffic everywhere, and every once in a while, like, donkey carts on the street or or whatever. So it's just, it's a big city, it's lots of people, it's um, chaotic, and we love it. But, but you
1: might need to pray that we don't get arrested as we drive here in America, because lanes are not just suggestions. So pray for that as we continue. Um, also, you can see that... Um, Egyptians are some of the friendliest people we've ever met. They're so gracious, so welcoming. I get greeted to, welcome to Egypt every day. Um, We've got certain walks that we make, and I I call, Paul's got all these guys on the street that, like, are are watchmen of different buildings and stuff, and they're his friends, and they see Paul, Habibi, and then they hug and kiss and joke, and um, so Egyptians are incredibly welcoming and awesome. There's also an interesting mix, like the picture on your left, like that's us sitting in Baskin Robbins eating some ice cream. When the picture on the right is a little snack, we call them kiosks, kushks, on the corner where you could buy, well, you know, ho-hos. Um, so you've got that mix of the modern and the not as modern.
0: On the bottom picture, it kind of shows a lot of our reality too. Mus- uh, Egypt is a Muslim country. It's about 90% Muslim. And about 10% Christian, but probably 90% of the Christian part is more orthodox uh, kind of Christian. And the numbers we've heard are that maybe 20% of that would be what we would consider to be born again. The rest is kind of cultural Christianity. And so the bottom picture shows a lot of our reality. This is pictures of uh, people praying in a mosque. And so this is just something that we hear and see about every day. In Cairo, there are roughly 10,000 mosques. And uh, five times a day from each one, we hear a call to prayer. So that means 50,000 times a day. There's a call to prayer around Cairo, Egypt. And so this is just a big part of our reality, too, is just uh, a Muslim-majority country.
1: Um, and it's a very vis- very audible reminder of their need for Jesus. Um, a Part of what they are praying is, is a direct denial that Jesus is the Son of God. And so um, hearing that five times a day from 10,000 mosques sometimes gets a little overwhelming, especially when you wake up in the middle of the night to that sound that, so there's some days you just don't hear it, but there's other days where it, it disturbs your spirit. So please pray for those of us who are there um, or those who are in a Muslim country serving that, that we would fight the, that sound, that we would be able to stand against kind of the, the power that comes against that, us and that sound. Um, another question people have is what are some Egyptian foods? Oh, man, as you can tell, we have not starved. So the Egyptian food is incredible. It's basic Arabic food. There's fried stuff. They do a lot of chickpeas. The thing on the left, well, that's French fries, but also in the corner is something they call tamaya and fool. It's something you have for breakfast. It's like beans, and then there's this, like, patty of chickpea mashed stuff.
0: Fool is a lot like refried beans. It's
1: kind of like, yeah, and they put it on pita bread, so it's almost Hispanic. Um, you can see on the right. This was a meal we went to a friend's house, and I mean, this this table was. You cannot outcook an Egyptian. Let me just tell you that. All right. And this lady spent ten or two days cooking for sixty people. Uh, we required people to have thirds, and there was still too much food left. Like a whole turkey was left. Um, but you can see here, we've got wara el ayinab, which is uh, they call it grape leaves, and it's stuffed with rice goodiness. And then baked, uh, grilled kofta, and we have kubeba, and we have hummus, and, well, you'll just have to come taste it. So, yeah, the food is good.
0: So, another question we get a lot is, you know, have you learned Arabic, or do you speak the language? And we speak some. So, we we have been in Arabic for anywhere between four and eight hours a week uh, for our time there. So, we have a lot of other responsibilities as well. But for us, learning the language is very important. We want to do that. And so, what we have up here, Arabic has 28 letters. Um, they go from right to left. Um, usually they'll have like the short vowel sounds above and below the letters, but the the thing for extra fun is that on most signs, they don't actually include the vowel sounds, so you just kind of have to know the word. And so, um, we have some basic greetings here.
1: So this is just like a, we're gonna pra- do what we would do in class. This is a practice dialogue. This is a greeting for in the morning. So, sabalher.
0: Sabalher. Esaye, kamileh. Ana <laughs> alhamdulillah, Wanta? Ah, ana kwaes,
1: alhamdulillah.
0: Forza saída.
1: Ana forza, ana saída.
0: Masalema. So those are just some basic greetings, and <laughs> um,
1: we wouldn't say that we're fluent. We've got a long ways to go before we're fluent. But the cool thing, Egyptians, because they're gracious, like all you have to say, you get in a taxi, kheir" and they're like, oh, "Your Arabic is beautiful." Okay. (laughs) Um, Let's look, uh, next slide, let's look at kind of what do we do there. Paul told you, like, we're there with the church planning, unreached people groups. We're doing it in teams. So we have a good team surrounding us. We have some of us that we would be, like, we're long-term staff, which means that we're going to be at this training team center as long as God will allow us. Uh, Most people will filter through anywhere from, well, we have some people six weeks, to three years. They'll filter through and then launch um, into another part of the Arab world where they will do church planning. So we do have teams spread throughout the Arab world right now operating in some countries that are um, a lot less safe than Cairo are. But they've they've launched out and they're there as a team to plant the church. Um, Our specific duties, we kind of have um, we're there for long-term staff so we do a lot of training and mentoring. We also, because of our background in higher education, we help with several different educational initiatives. Um, You can come to Cairo and get a degree for very cheap price and serve with our team, learn language, learn what it's like to do ministry in the Arab world. Um, We also lead a small group of our team members and mentor them. Uh, We are two two Egyptians when they ask us, what do you do here? Uh, Paul is a board member at our English language center called Glory. And I'm one of the teachers, assistants. I help train some of the teachers. So that's what we do there. That's our job. That's what gives us our visa to stay there. But we're all about proclaiming Jesus. And we do a lot of administrative tasks, emails, and all those and things. And also interacting
0: with Egyptians. And
1: and we got to spend time with Egyptians, which is easy. We just kind of walk outside, and all of a sudden you've got friends. And they love to hang out over tea. Tea is like the thing. You drink tea, lots of it. And fresh juice. They have these little cool, fresh, make your own juices and sweet. I'm telling you, you just have to come.
0: Mm.
1: Um, So that's what God has blessed. That's kind of what we do some of our tasks basically.
0: So kind of what a lot of people ask me too is what does a normal week look like for you there? And so um, our work week there is actually Sunday through Thursday and our weekend is Friday, Saturday. And so today is just a Sunday is a normal work day. And so... Uh, typically we will, Kristen and I will go to Arabic for one or two hours uh, every morning uh, for four days a week, and we kind of have team meetings that kind of bookend our week. So on Sundays we'll meet to uh, pray for unreached people, and then we'll study a topic in missiology. We have a whole missiology curriculum that's maybe about two years long, so we'll study Islamics and um, values for our team. We have some values that we try to instill in people. We will uh, study different kinds of outreach uh, methods with Muslims. We'll study all these different kind of things over the course of about a two-year period. So we do that on Sundays. And then uh, we have a team meeting on Thursday that is more of like a team meal and a praise and worship service. So typically we'll, we'll study some language in the morning. In the afternoons we will do more administrative tasks. Our, our girls are in school there. Uh, Sunday through Thursday they go to an international school. And this has been a great place for us to, to meet friends that it's kind of a natural place that we can meet people and, and share that way. And so um, we'll also do a lot of mentoring of team members, hanging out with Egyptians at night. It's a very much a night culture. Um, things don't get going. In the, uh, it doesn't seem like until about 7, 8, 9 at night. The average meal time is about 9 at night for dinner. So um, things are, are going late. Uh, so we, we hang out with Egyptians as well. And uh, so that's just kind of a, a normal framework of what our, our time looks like. And then Friday, Saturday is our weekend. So we, go to, we actually go to church on Friday. And so um, it'll be kind of interesting getting used to going to church on Sunday again. Friday is our Sunday, and so then Saturday is our
1: Saturday.
0: Uh, Saturday is our day of rest, and um, that kind of stuff. So this is kind of what our what our week looks like, if you will.
1: <laughs> uh, the next question is one kind of we get asked the most and most frequently: Are you safe? People know the Arab world is a little chaotic and is probably always going to be chaotic until the Lord comes. Um, are we safe? Absolutely uh where we live um we we know people in our, our in our in our neighborhood so even if anything was to happen in our neighborhood they wouldn't let us get out of our apartment building they would say you know what, don't go out today stay at home um so we have that kind of neighborhood watch going on um so we've got that going a lot of the terrorist attacks that have happened have been, actually been outside of the city um but honestly when we first started to do missions our girls memorized this memory verse And I think it kind of sums up. It says, if I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest ocean, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. So are we safe? Absolutely. Because we're in the hands of God. Are we going to be smart and not make stupid choices? Absolutely. Because we don't want to get kicked out just because we're dumb. But God has us. And we lead and we follow what the Spirit is telling us to do. And yes. We're safe, and we're happy. Um, we really kind of want to talk about some things that, that we've learned. I mean, because it's not just, <laughs> it's not just eating. Um, but God has done some things, and we really, truly feel privileged to be able to be in this place and to, to learn what God would have, some lessons for us. One of the biggest things is, is that it's not by our power, it's not by what we bring to the table. It truly is the power of the Holy Spirit that has dwelled in us. So we want to walk you through some lessons that we have learned. So this is our first lesson.
0: Oh, sorry. So the first lesson that we've learned is just this. When you, remain with, um, when you remain with and depend on Jesus, the Spirit will give you words to say and the opportunities to speak. And so kind of a, a verse that goes with this is when you're arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words in the right time. Um from Matthew chapter 10. Now, Kristen and I haven't been arrested. We haven't been in jail. Um, but in one sense, that's not the point. The point is that whether you're in jail or whether you're just doing normal life, uh, at work or in the grocery store or hanging out with people, wherever it is, um, having that time with Jesus every day when, when opportunities come up and the Spirit is speaking, then take the time to share with the Lord what you feel like the Lord is doing. And, you know, it's, we, we've kind of been in a lot of those times where we just know that something is coming up, something is said, you know, we'll have a so-called chance encounter that, you know, really wasn't chance after all. And so, and then when we're in that, we just know that this is kind of a God-ordained thing, and then we take that opportunity to speak. And Kristen had an opportunity like that in one of our language classes one day.
1: Um, I have a picture uh, of my friend Salma. Uh, we, at the Language Center, we have Conversation Club in the evening. And I was leading a conversation class. And, I mean, there was probably, there was about five of us in the group. Um, and Salma was there with her husband. They are traditional Muslims. They're educators in public school, which is a whole, nother, a whole nother story. And I just kind of was asking a general conversation question. It was kind of near the end of our time. And the question, the next question I asked to get conversation going was, "Um, what is something you want? And we went around and we got to Salma. She said, children. And at that moment, I I could, you know, you feel the flutters and you're like, all right, this is, this is a different moment than some. And um, I, I asked her, I said, you're not able to have children. And she said, no, we've been trying to have children. And I mean, she she was overwhelmed, and her husband sitting there sad. And, and um, I said, you know what, Salma, I said, uh, my husband and I, we struggled to get pregnant. I said, and some of you were here during our struggle. Some of you were, were holding us during some of our struggles. And we had a miscarriage. And I, and I told Salma that we had a miscarriage. She said, how, how did you feel? I said, it was the worst thing that, that has ever happened in my life. Most unbearable pain that I could have ever imagined. She said, well, what, what did you do? Like, how could you handle it? And I said, Salma, in those moments of my deepest pain, I knew that even if we never had children, Jesus was enough for me. And then it kind of just stopped and we just kind of went on. She and I, um, she actually, she and her husband, they've been at our house several times Uh, Her husband loved playing soccer inside our house with our daughters. Um, They're in a unique situation because she is not um, getting pregnant. He has every right to divorce her. Actually, he's being encouraged to divorce her by his family because he needs kids. He needs sons. He needs children to carry on the name. So she's fearful always. She's fearful always that her husband will leave her. And her husband's struggling. Because you can tell he actually really loves her. But he's got all this pressure. So pray for them. Because they have a Bible. We've given them a Bible. They've read through it. There's other people on our team who have spent time with them. And are continuing to spend time with them. Reading through scriptures. Telling Bible stories that they've memorized in Arabic. And they are on a road of discovering who Jesus is. And in the midst of their hurt, we are praying that they will know that Jesus is the only way the only answer to that hurt. So they're on the road. It's a long road, it's a long journey, but pray for Salman and her husband that God truly will intervene in their lives. Um our next lesson that we've learned is that it is possible to have deep and meaningful conversations about Jesus with non-believers no matter where you are. Like I was with Salma I was working, um, having a conversation, teaching English. But the Spirit showed up in that moment. Uh, in Acts, oh my goodness, reading Acts these days, living in Egypt, it's like, it, it's like a manual for our, what we do every day. Okay, I can't, that's another sermon. Um, so Acts says, but the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went wherever they went.
0: So we had a student come for about six months named John, and John is the guy in the top row, kind of the second one in from the left in the back row. John was with us for about six months. He came for a semester abroad and a summer internship, so he was there from January to the end of June, and John was, John was a nice guy. He was um, you know, just studying for, to you know, finishing his degree and wanted to do a semester abroad, and you know, about four months into his time, he would come over a lot um, to our oh, house. Um, he was in our small group where we do our teaching. And so we had a lot of interaction with John. And John really honestly struggled to to engage with the culture sometimes. He just wasn't comfortable with how to do that. Didn't really know we were trying to teach him. And, and about four months in, you know, he was in our house one night. And John just kind of started expressing some regret, honestly, about, you know, not not doing everything he felt like he could and, you know, wanting to do more but just not knowing how. And, and so we just sat him down. It's like, all right, you know what? We've heard enough. We're, we're done. We're done having this conversation with you. Here's what you're going to do. We have a homework assignment for you. What you're going to do is you're going to go find a place in the culture. You're going to go find there. You're going to go there every day, and that's going to be your spot. And you're going to engage with the culture that way. You're going to talk to people. This was on a Sunday. We're having this conversation. And I'm like, okay, so on Thursday when you come over to our house again, we're going to ask you how you did it. You're going to tell us all about it. Ready, set, go. And so he went out, you know, later that day, found a little hole in the wall cafe and said, hey, I found it. It was great. I love it. Great. That's awesome. Keep doing it. And so um, he met um, every day. So every day for the next few weeks, he would go there and just get a cup of tea. Again, tea is really big there. And just whoever was around, he would start telling them about Jesus. So after a week or two of this, you know, all the people in the cafe would see him coming, and they'd roll their eyes, and, yeah, I know you love Jesus, whatever. You can stop now, whatever, go away. And But he kept going. He kept doing it for about two weeks. And so finally one day, they, these guys saw him coming again. It's like, oh, here we go again. Now, uh, you know what? We know you love Jesus. You should go talk to that guy in the corner, though, because he said he wants to be a Christian. So John went over there, started talking to him. John had really bad Arabic. This guy had really bad English. But they kind of fumbled through this conversation, just, you know, sentence fragments and whatever else they could get out. And so, but eventually, John connected with a guy on our team who had had really good uh, Arabic. And this guy was able to disciple him a little farther, a little farther. So finally, he gets to the point where this guy's going to tell his family that he's going to become a Christian. So that didn't go over so well. And in fact, his family thought this guy had an evil spirit in him because he wanted to be a Christian So they take him to the local mosque to have the the leader there cast this evil spirit out of him. They have a lot of animistic and folk kind of things in Islam there. And so this guy was going to do like some kind of spell to cast this evil spirit out of him, right? So they're sitting there. this, This imam is going on and on and on, whatever. And this guy's like, huh, they think I have an evil spirit in me. That means I can do whatever I want. And so he's about a minute in. Well, all of a sudden, he stands up, lets out this shriek, ah! and just slaps the guy as hard as he can <laughs> And and so, and so his family like is mortified. they' rush him out of there. you know, by this time he's involved in a house church, you know so he goes and tells his, the house church leader about this, and they're like, okay, really funny, you should never do that again because you know,
1: <laughs> don't slap an email.
0: Don't slap the leader there. so um, so, but this was part of his discipleship process. They're walking him through this. Okay, here's why you shouldn't do that. He was just so angry at Islam that this is what came out. And so they're trying to walk him through this in discipleship. on how to be more like Christ, handle things in, in a godly way and whatnot. But last April, this guy made a profession of faith and he was baptized in the Red Sea.
1: Amen. And so,
0: Amen. And, and he's still in the house church. He's still continuing to get discipled. He's still growing in his faith. And to me, this is just what it's all about, is people making a profession of faith and just coming to know Jesus. But, and this guy is just kind of a little farther along in this process, but there's still a lot of work to do there.
1: Which leads us to the next lesson that we've learned. And that is discipleship is a process that takes time and commitment. And that is beautiful. In Philippians 1, 3 to 6, Paul says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to God. Whenever I I pray. I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you've been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus arrives. Um, someone that we met from the very beginning, um, you can see her, her picture, uh, when we had gotten there, we met this gal, and she actually ended up being our Arabic teacher. And uh, her name is Mary, and which is a Christian name. But once we got to know her, we realized that she had actually come from a Muslim background. When she was a young teenager, she started to have dreams about Jesus, which is actually very frequent. Uh, most of us know somebody who has had a dream about Jesus. Happens all the time. And they come to us and say, Do you know what this means? (laughs) Yes. Yes, we do. Um, So she had dreams about Jesus, found Christians, and uh, became a believer, told her family, and they um, locked her in the house for a while, and she dealt with some abuse during that time. They were trying to get her to convert back to Islam, to to reject Jesus, but she wouldn't do it. So she left her family, and she actually changed her name to Mary. Mary. Um, Mary wasn't her name. She changed it. This happens a lot where, when Muslims come to know Jesus, they kind of want to leave aside their Arabic Muslim name and, and grab onto something that, that feels more Christian. So she was involved in, in a, in a church and, uh, but she really wanted some more discipleship, which is how she reached out and got to know us. So she was teaching us Arabic, um, very recent. And she was part of the same house church that the guy, Muhammad, the guy who slapped the imam. They were at the same house church together. Um, Recently, she went through an incredibly intense spiritual attack. We, through this, like our team surrounded her. She moved in with some of our people, kind of hopped to a few houses. There were some very intense nights of prayer, and um, it was rough. It was very intense. What we came to realize is that even though she had professed that she wanted to be a Christian, there were a lot of parts in her life that she hadn't let go of, And she hadn't allowed Jesus to be Lord over all the areas of her life. And in that context, it had a huge grip on her life. So we, as a team, were able to nurture and mentor her and help her through this incredibly big spiritual attack and this big moment where she absolutely professed that Jesus is Lord over all areas of my life, and I give him everything. Recently, right before we left... uh, She made an announcement that no longer did she want to be called Mary. She didn't want to have her Christian name, she wanted to go back to being Fatima. Because she now wanted to have the identity that when people say, What's your name? Fatima. And she doesn't look Muslim anymore. She doesn't wear the head covering or anything. Because she wants the identity of Fatima, who was born a Muslim, but now follows Jesus. She wants to be able to proclaim that every chance that she gets. She's even, and this is a prayer request, I believe, during this month of what Ramadan is, is kind of like, the equivalent would be like Christmas to us. Um, it's a huge month of celebration and family. I believe she's praying through reaching out to her family. Um, so keep her in your prayers as she goes along. This, this is a profession of faith that will absolutely lead her into further persecution. But if you read through Acts, when persecution happens, do you know what happens? More people are added because the spirit that is in us is stronger than the spirit that is in the world. And so pray for Fatima. Pray that she truly stands strong and proclaims that Jesus is the answer for her life and for the, life, for the lives of Muslims in the Arab world.
0: So we have some action points out of all this that we kind of want to leave. One of them is we want to um, encourage uh, everyone to spend intentional time with Jesus and lean on him throughout the day. And so whether this, you know, including prayer time, uh, devotional times, spend time with Jesus in chunks of time, but also throughout the day, and then follow his leading as he leads. Uh, Number two is wherever you're at, um, with friends, family, work, little league, whatever it is, be eager to talk about Jesus anytime and at any place. You know, this isn't something that you have to go overseas to do. This is something we can do in a wh- wherever we're at. It's just talking about Jesus and just making his name known. And finally, do life with each other. Be involved in the messiness of discipleship. You know, not all of us are going to have somebody who went and slapped the imam or, or, or whatever it is. But we all know people who are broken. And discipleship is going to be messy, and that's okay. Because we're, we're helping people to get closer to Jesus as we walk through that. And so kind of what we want to do is we want to take some time to pray a little bit, and just let's, let's focus on this. Let's ask the Lord to, to speak to us where, where He wants us to grow, kind of what He wants us to do. And then uh, let's go ahead and take a couple minutes to pray about that.
1: As you pray, uh, go ahead and close your eyes. And um, as you pray, first ask, uh, Lord, where am I a little weakened in these action points? Uh, do I spend enough time with you? Um, where can I get better at it? Uh, who can I talk to? Ask for Jesus to to bring a image of somebody to your mind so that you would know who to go talk to and recognize that the Holy Spirit will give you the power when you step out in that kind of faith, that kind of boldness. The spirit is there. He thrives in those moments and you will too, if you trust in him. And then, and then find out who, ask God to lead you to, to someone that you can do life with and be honest with and be authentic with. So, Just take these moments quietly, close your eyes, and ask the Spirit to speak in your heart very directly right now.
2: There's uh, three words that I feel like the Holy Spirit's just giving us for this morning as we leave this place. The first word is distraction. Distraction. Let's be real before the Lord this morning that some of us are too distracted to live our lives on mission because we've filled our lives to the brim with activity and busyness. That is not purposeful for God's kingdom. May God give us undistracted, uncluttered lives so we can follow Him. The second word that God has put on my heart this morning is fear. Some of us don't speak out because we're afraid. Sometimes I don't speak out because I'm afraid. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. And the Spirit will lead you to make known the name of Jesus. Would you look around this room this morning? Just look around the room. At Spring Valley Community Church this morning, there's probably somewhere around 350 people, maybe a little more, maybe a little less, including our kids. There is room. There is room for your family, for your friends, for your neighbors to encounter Jesus Christ and to be part of this body. And what might be holding us back in sharing our faith is our busyness and our fear. When I hear Paul and Kristen talk about their lives, it's so radically simple. They do their jobs, and in the midst of their jobs, they look for how God is working and how God wants to use them. And here's the lie. The lie is because they're missionaries, they do that. And here's the truth. Because you're a follower of Jesus and filled with his Holy Spirit, you can do that too. But if busyness and distraction is running your life, there's not always space and time. And I often find that when God wants to work, I need to give him space and time. But here's a third word. Boldness. Boldness. Boldness is not a personality trait. Some of you might think I'm bold, but you also know I'm gregarious and extroverted. And some of you are introverted and quiet. Some of you spend a long time thinking before you speak. Some of us wear all our emotions on our sleeve. Those are personality traits. But the Holy Spirit gives boldness to all of us to speak for Christ. And that's why the Spirit is given so we can be witnesses in Jerusalem which for us is Montgomery and Montgomery Chester County. Our first mission is right here. And then we go to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And sometimes we send people from this church to the ends of the earth. But our mission is here and our mission is now. And distraction and busyness and fear are the only things holding us back. I believe God can do awesome things through us together. And it's not just preaching, or worship. Those are very important things in the body of Christ. But what gives the church life is the Holy Spirit empowering His people to be Christ's witnesses in their neighborhoods, in their workplaces, in their homes. And that's what we're called to. And that's what God can do through us. His plans for us are good as we follow Jesus and are powered by His Spirit as we go out through these doors into the world to love and serve and proclaim the most beautiful name, Jesus. Let's pray and then we'll go home. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the word we heard today. Thank you for how you stirred my heart and even convicted my spirit. Lord, we need a lot of help. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that distraction and busyness or fear will not keep us from following you. And Lord, I pray that you would empower us fresh today with the Holy Spirit. Help us to be bold witnesses right where we are. And Lord, as our hearts turn towards the summer, I pray that as we might rest from work and labor for a week here and there, we would not rest from the mission of Jesus to share the good news and make disciples. Lord, I pray that we would not become distracted just because it's warm out, but we would look for opportunities even in the midst of our summer schedules. Lord, I thank you so much for this church. Lord, We know that discipleship is messy. We know that many of us in this room, our lives are messy. But you're not giving up on us. And Lord, as a church, we're not giving up on one another. Help us to love one another well and do life together. And Lord, you are an awesome God. I thank you this morning for your servants, Paul and Kristen, Ellie and Jojo. Continue to use them. Renew them throughout this year. Help us to know how to love them and support them throughout this year as they rest and recoup. Lord, bless us as we leave this place. You are so good, Lord. In your name I pray, amen, amen.